This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast is brought to you by Hatfield Quality Meats, makers of delicious Hatfield Phillies Franks. And why not, speaking of Franks, I'm going to bring on my... Really, really close buddy, Frank Paul Santangelo of the Washington Nationals. And we're talking a little baseball, talking a little NL East today, right here on Pine Tar for Breakfast. What up, and welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. Appreciate you for subscribing. Leave a comment on Twitter if you want. Any questions to be asked? What do you want to know? Anything going on? How was your Mother's Day? I hope everyone's Mother's Day was well. I know there's people that are suffering right now um, who may or may not have uh, you know, had someone affected as far as maybe being a mother um, with this virus and, and our thoughts, my family's thoughts are with you, your family. Uh, you know, it is a time to celebrate and it's a time for, you know, others to think about other people and, you know, the stuff that they're going through, whether it is uh, with the sickness, with it, whether it may be a job or, or something. So, you know, with that, we're all thinking about you. And again, trying to bring a little bit of positive vibe and, you know, talk some baseball here on Pine Tar for Breakfast. So today, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring on a close buddy of mine. World Series champion, color analyst for the Washington Nationals. Boo! The 14,344th player in Major League Baseball history, Frank Paul Santangelo, better known as FP. What's up, dude? What's up, Franny? Thanks for having me on. How you hanging? How you holding up with this whole thing? Uh, well, you know, uh, backyard's clean-ish. Uh, I feel like I, I do that, you know, constantly. Um, I've learned how to make sourdough bread. Uh, so, yeah, that's been going on. Had a hell of a Mother's Day for Amanda. And uh, that's about it. How about you? Well, you sound like you're coming out a better person when this is all over. I mean, way, way to improve yourself. Um, way to make yourself better. And as Davey Martinez said last year, way to go one to know every day. That sounds like you're being super productive. But I'm proud of you. I'm really proud of you that you've done so much to make this world a better place and you a better person when this is all said and done. So, um, yeah, I've, I've learned how to cook. I, I cook every night. I've cleaned out my basement. Uh, I'm doing projects around the house. I'm trying to stay busy. I have a Peloton bike that's actually saving my sanity. I don't know what I'd be doing without my Peloton bike. And I wasn't a big Peloton guy before this. And, and right before it, I said, you know what? I'm, I got a lot of good reviews from buddies of mine that played baseball. And they said it's an awesome thing. So I said, well, it's a, it's a free like 90-day trial or 60-day trial, whatever it is. I'll try it. 
and I got this thing and I'll tell you what, man, it's, it's the real deal. It's like getting therapy and counseling and exercise all in one. Dude. I can't wait to do it every day. I've had it for two months. It's amazing. Now, okay, so I, I, I know you well. Uh, most fans around here might not. And uh, you're uber competitive. You're uber fit. Uh, how do you mix, you know, trying to stay in shape and then not look at the scoreboard or leaderboard? Or is that what you do when you step on that bike, on that Peloton bike? Are you going for number one? <laughs> no way, dude. There's pros on there. I, <laughs> I went from being in the bottom third to right in the middle to now I'm in the top third but at the bottom of the top third, if that makes sense, when there's like 50,000 people that have done this class. Um, and I, I'm kind of just competing against myself going for personal best. Anyways, nobody cares. I'm just trying to say that um, that thing has saved my sanity and all this. And I mean, you know, dude, we're baseball lifers. You and me, yep. we, we grew up with it. We played baseball. We coached baseball. We broadcast baseball. It, it's been my life for 31 years. So while I know there's far more important things going on in the world and, you know, with people's health and, and, and this whole uh, um, pandemic we're going through, I just miss baseball. It's my life. It, 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 it's, it's what I am. I'm a baseball lifer. And uh, this is the first time in 31 years professionally where I haven't had baseball. So, um, you know, your clock is going off. Uh, it's time to see baseball. It's time to play baseball. It's time to call baseball. Um, it's time to be at the ballpark to see all your buddies. You do it every year. It's kind of part of the ritual, and it's not here right now. So, I mean, to be honest, I'm struggling. I mean, from from that standpoint, I obviously have my health, my family's healthy, and that's really what matters right now. But damn, I'm missing baseball, dude. Well, I see. Like, I'm the same way, and I've been loving the KBO games. I don't know why the Korean baseball organization uh, and ESPN, obviously, uh, it, it's brought out a ton. Um, a lot of good play so far. It's kind of gotten a little bit of that that necessity of of needing baseball, right? But it's still not yeah. our baseball. Like we're, you know, we live and die by a team. And for us, you know, you for the, the Washington Nationals, myself for the Philadelphia Phillies, I mean, I miss that. I miss being a part of that team. We're a part of it right now because, you know, everyone's doing their thing. But when it comes to competing and calling the games and getting to know the guys even more and, and watching them uh, meld into this, you know, uh, you know, awesome team or what, what, what they may be like, we're, this should be about we're a month and a half into, you know, seeing that happen. And I mean, that's the, that's the part that I'm struggling with right now is not being around those interactions of, of players and obviously the game. No, I'm with you in, in the relationships that you build, whether it's, uh, you know, my partner, Bob Carpenter, my director, my producer that I've been with for nine years now going on 10. This would have been my 10th year here in D.C. Um, seeing you uh, when we play the Phillies. I don't know if people know our history. Um, I was your your hitting coach in the minor leagues with the Giants, and that's how I met you. And, you know, I watched you become a major league baseball player and, and, and followed your career closely, and then all of a sudden you became a Washington National. Hang on and, a second. Hang, um, on, we, hang on. Hang we, on. We got to hang out for you. Did I? Did I skip a you few steps? You skipped one there? big one. <laughs> San Diego broken jaw. Oh yeah. Who's on the call? That is you, my friend. First homer, and I'm out of my gourd. That is the exact quote <laughs> that you used. I'm out of my gourd. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first games I ever did broadcasting, I filled in for the great Mike Kuko, still the color analyst for the Giants. Uh, and, 
I mean, I was like a proud pop up there as your hitting coach in A ball, which I didn't teach you anything. I probably taught you what not to do <laughs> hitting wise to see your first major league home run in person and then to be broadcasting the game. Uh, it was really cool. So we've come full circle now. You came to DC as a player, I was a broadcaster. Um, uh, you call me for broadcasting advice when All you first time. started. You're fantastic at what you do. Um, I'm the wrong guy to ask for advice for. I'm sure Philly fans will tell you that. Nobody likes me, but. Um, it's just good to see you, you know, now doing your thing as a major league broadcaster. And, and we stay in touch all the time. You move to the East coast, just like I moved to the East coast, you're fully invested. Um, and yeah, I miss, I miss seeing you. I miss seeing all my friends at the yeah. ballpark, whether it's, you know, the people in the front office, the, you know, the coaches uh, who I've developed the relationship with over the years, when you win a world series together as an organization, it, it brings you to the next level. It brings everybody together like I've never seen before. And I'm talking from front office to people that work at the ballpark, um, to the team, to the coaches. When you share this common bond of winning it all together and you play a full extra month of the season and you're doing more functions and you're celebrating together and you're hugging and you're crying together, uh, it just it, it was so cool in spring training to see how relaxed, how satisfied, and how uh, content everybody was with winning a world championship and that's the part i miss right now i miss um that that feeling that we have it's always been a family here in dc but it went to the next level with winning a championship together and it was just so cool to see that in spring training and how everybody was just i mean euphoric still and and i wanted to see how that played out this year and it was weird i had a feeling that the guys were still hungry you know guys weren't going on jimmy kimmel or on the cover of gq or doing photo shoots all winter. They celebrated for their time and they got right back to work because they wanted to do it again. And, and it would have been interesting to see how it played out. It still might be interesting. I don't think you're going to find uh, a true champion over an 82 game season, but who knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen. And hopefully, hopefully there's any kind of baseball right now. That's all I care about. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about that because I feel like when we look at this whole thing and uh, you know, the, the number of games, 162 is always a, you know, for, for the last whatever amount of years, uh, a, a full schedule, and you find out who, who the best team is at the end of that. Um, what, for you, declares a champion in Major League Baseball? Is there a set number of games? Uh, is, there, is there something that you want to see um, happen for Major League Baseball, the players, to get to that number uh, that you have in your mind? I, I don't I don't think there's a number. I just think you got to play. And I think this, this season will always be in parentheses. I'm not going to say asterisk because they're still going to go out and compete if they get a chance to compete. And it's still going to be fun to watch, and they're still going to be a world champ, hopefully. This is all hopefully. Yeah. Um, this is an ideal scenario where, where we wrangle this thing and move forward. Um, but I, I really don't care. For one year, it's always going to be known as the COVID year or the coronavirus year or whatever happens. So – there's no number for me. I don't care. I just want to see those guys get out and do what they do best. I want to, I watch it. And I think more importantly for the fans, you know, we all love baseball. We want to see baseball. It's always been there for us. I was in the major leagues uh, through nine 11. I was playing for the Oakland A's and, and we sat out for however long we did. I think it was 10 days or so. Um, but when we came back, all this? So, like was I was so going to ask you about that literal right there. My God. Well, I had two cups of coffee, man. You get me going. And plus, I haven't, I've been talking to the walls here in my house and 
you know, a neighbor jogs by outside, and I'm like, hi, you want to talk? So uh, I'm all wound up. But it, it, we need to play baseball. It's good for everybody, and, and it's therapeutic. And, and hopefully we can do it in a safe manner that doesn't jeopardize the fans' safety, doesn't jeopardize the players' safety, or anybody that works with a ball club that's directly involved with Major League Baseball. Well said. Well said. Uh, when you <laughs> – I, I'm, I'm just going to ask the question right away again. But, like, when you take this back, right? I mean, this is obviously different. Uh, one being a terrorist attack, this being a virus, a pandemic uh, that we're dealing with. Uh, and, and knowing that, you know, Major League Baseball at that time, uh, football as well, and the NFL was going on, um, you guys played a huge role in an hour to three hours a day of taking a little bit of anxiety out of people's minds, right? I mean, that, that is a huge deal uh, back in, 2000, in, in 2001. Uh, you know, fast forward to now, do you get the feeling that players are feeling the same way? Maybe not so much as, as trying to unite the country, but to try to, uh, you know, make this a uh, like a, a three-hour ordeal where people can just take a deep breath? No. And, and the reason I say no is because you have to experience it. We had no idea uh, in 2001 the impact we would have on, on society and people feeling like they're back to normal until we got out there and did it. Because we were all wondering, like, what's next? Is it safe? The travel's different. Are we safe on the field? Is there going to be a terrorist attack in stadiums once mm. we start playing again? Um, so we didn't know the impact we would have uh, with fans and just in the country until we did it. And I think the same goes here for these players, even if they're kind of thinking of it, how we are right now, and mm-hmm. this would be great. I think they'll see it when they do it. And and when they initially say, say, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow right now, but it, it, it might not be great initially when they're playing in empty stadiums for them, but it's going to be great for us. And I think once they see that, like they might go, wow, this is brutal. Like um, we're playing in an empty ballpark, yeah. but then when they see the ramifications and the effect and the positive effect it has on people that need to see sports right now, that need to feel some sense of normality, I think that's when it'll hit them. But like right now, sitting at home, yeah. I don't think, you know, some, some do, you can't say for everybody there, there could be 10 guys on a team that know the importance of it. There could be 15 guys that really don't care or think about the importance of it. But when they do it and they see the importance of it, all 25 guys will realize, wow, this is a cool thing, and I'm glad we started playing baseball if they play baseball. Yeah, I mean, that's a, the, the huge if, obviously. But, I, I mean, yeah, you say it, and it's like until you experience it. Uh, you are a part of the Oakland A's at the time, as you were saying, and that was one of the most like fun teams, right, that you've ever been around. You and I have talked about this plenty and to sense, you know, like how you guys came together and how, you know, the energy you guys brought, the anxiety level, right? I mean, you guys had high anxiety, not knowing all that stuff. But do you remember, like, any time, like, is there a specific time where you felt like, hey, boys, like, this is awesome for us. Like, not us, like, you know, the team, but us as a, as a country, because we're a part of this. We're a part of, you know, bringing everyone's, you know, spirits back up. Well, I mean, I, it was good to get back out there, Kevin, but we played the first playoff game in Yankee Stadium mm. after 9-11. Mm. And, and when we got to New York and we flew over ground zero and we saw the smoke still billowing 
from where the World Trade Center used to be, it kind of hit us all. And, and some of the guys uh, went down to ground zero before the first playoff game. Um, they asked me to, but those, I, I, Jason Giambi and all the superstars went, and I thought it was more – it would be more meaningful for the firefighters and the first responders to meet Jason and all the big names we had on the team. Um, so with that said, we, when we got called out for introductions for game one of the ALDS um, against the Yankees, they flew the flag from the World Trade Center in Yankee Stadium in center field, and it was all tattered and ripped and torn. So that was Goosebump City. Um, they had first responders uh, surrounding the semicircle behind home plate, with Port Authority, FDNY, FDPD, um, and they were in firefighters in in their jackets that were dusty that came straight from Ground Zero, and Joe Torre and Paul O'Neill, and they all came out and hugged them. Um, we sang the national anthem. I've never heard a louder national anthem from the people singing it word for word as Game One, and and, and then it, it is when it hit me that wow, this is these people need it. And, and Franny, you know as well as anybody, how much I competed, how much I love to win. Mm -hmm. That's I, I'll put myself up against anybody that ever played baseball in my desire to win. Not more, but definitely not less. Um, and that was my first playoff experience at the end of my career at age 36, 35, 36. We went back to New York and lost game five. And I sat in the dugout for like 20 minutes after we lost because I thought the end of my career was near and I didn't know if I was going to play again. I sat there and I watched the Yankees celebrate and I watched the stadium bounce hmm. with the Yankee fans. And I thought for the first time in my life, they needed this win more than I needed this win. And for me to think that, or for me to say that kind of blew me away because there was a bigger picture there and there was a bigger purpose that we needed to get back to normal. And New York was hit harder than, than anywhere. And to see these people have some joy in their lives after what they went through as a player it was the first time in my career in my last major league game that I was okay with losing. Wow. Well, that's that. I mean, for me, that's powerful. And, uh, cause I know you and I'm like, damn, I'm sitting here just like nodding my head going, I, I or actually just, you know, actually just shaking my head, just going, I, I, I can't even imagine you just sitting there and, and recognizing that moment, you know? And so obviously different times, um, and, you know, hopefully we all get through this and we get, you know, healthy, we get the game right and we get going and, and, you know, we're able to celebrate again. We're able to see that team or whoever that may be celebrate on the field again. And that, that, that to me is a huge deal. Let's take a quick break real quick. All right. And, uh, we'll go to our sponsor Hatfield quality meats and, uh, we'll be right back with Frank Paul Santangelo, FP Santangelo of the Washington nationals right here next. Pintar for breakfast. When you want perfect franks for a great game, nobody beats Hatfield, the official pork provider of the Philadelphia Phillies. When Hatfield's on the grill, you're guaranteed to get flavor as big as the game. Hatfield is dedicated to making game day franks and sausages with the best taste and highest quality. And don't forget, Hatfield makes other American favorites like bacon, ham, marinated loins, and chops for all of your family's game time needs. At Hatfield, we bring the highest standards from our family to yours. Hatfield, winning flavor, game day, and every day. Visit simplyhatfield.com. Welcome back to Pie Talk for Breakfast. I'm your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. And that voice you hear is F.P. Santangelo, Washington Nationals color analyst on the TV side because he's good looking and uh, very gray now these days. Um, I had Jeff <laughs> Francoeur on uh, about two weeks ago. And one of the things that we talked about 
a, a thing that I am missing as far as the game and what was supposed to be this year was, look, the Atlanta Braves are coming off two division titles in a row. Super talented. You have the Washington Nationals, who may have been the best team from the middle or end of May, my birthday, through the end of the game, uh, the end of the season, all the way through the World Series, was the best team in all of baseball. You know, them and the Astros. And you got to witness that whole thing. You had the Mets, who the second half, I don't, you know, people bring up to me like, oh, they played nobody in the second. You still have to go out and win games. You have a pitching staff who is loaded that if they all were to hit on all cylinders, you never know. And now with Noah Syndergaard out kind of changes, uh, you know, things if, if, if it comes back to uh, a season this year. Uh, the Marlins have so much young talent. You never know what's going to happen if it ever clicks. The Philadelphia Phillies, the uber amounts of talent. Things that are riding on certain players this year in JT Real Muto, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, if he comes back from his knee injury, if, if, if the season happens. The part I am missing is how deep, how competitive the NL East is going to be because it is incredible to call games with all this talent in this division. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. And you know, I've been bored, and something came up about uh, two or three weeks ago, and it was my post-game hit um, on opening day. And this is going to be a dig-me moment for a second, so just stay with me. <laughs> and and I said in the post-game hit that for the first time in 2019, the NL East was competitive, where the, the Nats had won 95, 97, 98 games in the past. And I think in a sense, it was fool's goal because the division was so weak Terrible. that when you play a team 19 times in your division, that that win total can be kind of exaggerated a little bit. And, and I thought that last year, the Nats, if they got through their division because it was far more competitive with the Braves, the Mets, and the Phillies, that they would it would it would bode well for them to go deeper into October than they've been. Little did I know they would go the whole way and run the table. But I think when you talk about this year, I don't know what the divisions are going to be like. I don't know if there's going to be an NL East. I, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. So if there is regular divisions and they, they keep that, um, yeah, the, the division's going to be great. I, I think the Braves are great. I think the Phillies are, are much improved. Uh, I love Joe Girardi. Oh. Um, I, I think he, I think that might be their best improvement. Uh, no offense to Gabe Kapler. I just think George Girardi's a better manager, and it's—I mean, facts are facts. It it, it is. I mean, he's gone to the playoffs. He's won wherever he's been. So, um, I think that's a huge upgrade from, you know, the Philly standpoint. Um, So that alone, I think, is going to be interesting to watch. And then, I I think Bryce Harper, um, in the second year in Philly, is going to be far more comfortable. You know, Kevin, when you come up with an organization through the minor leagues and you play for one team, that first year somewhere else is always kind of weird. And it takes you time to settle in and time to feel like you're at home. Even if you're telling people you feel at home, it's still just kind of surreal and weird, especially when you play your old team. Um, and I think Bryce Harper, if you, if there is a, a season or was a season, was poised to have a huge year. And, um and I'll say this, you talk about things that I miss. I miss the Philly fanatic a lot too, by the way. He's my favorite <laughs> mascot ever. And I really miss him. And that's, this I, is I a fact, people. This is all a the fact. time. Yeah, I watch him all the time. I'm in my producer's ear saying, Can we show them more of the fanatic? We need to show the fanatic. Come on, this guy cracks me up all the time. Show more fanatic. And then we show him all the time because I make them show him all the time. <laughs> so yeah, I miss 
I miss the fanatics. This is probably blasphemous, Nats fans. They're going to get so mad at me for saying it, but I liked him as a player. Yep. And I'll tell you this, players players like him. Visiting players like him. We all love the fanatic. The only one that might not, not like qu- the fanatic is Boach. I, I'd say it all the time because the fanatic has, has multiple, not just one, has multiple uh, skits for him in his head. <laughs> no, I, I know. And that's a big head, so there's lots of skits. And they probably have the same hat size, oh, to be honest man. with you. Um, <laughs> have you seen the new have you seen the new version of the Fanatic? No. Yeah, they because what, what? of some court dealings and, and, and stuff I don't want to bore you with and the fans are kind of, you know, mad about this. The uh the Phillies have made a, a few changes, subtle changes. Um still looks like the Fanatic. A little different, but uh yeah, still the same gestures. This guy's amazing. You know, you know, you know who's mad is the people that live on the Galapagos Islands because that's right? their that's their hero. Yeah, that that's is their hero. That's where he came from. That he's their hero, and I'm I'm hearing there's lots of protests uh, with like these the sea iguanas and the and the fur seals and the great white sharks off the Galapagos. They're all mad. They don't <laughs> want the fanatic to change at all. They're all super pissed. Well, I what's heard. amazing is that the the Phillies uh, and and not just about working for them, playing for them. The one thing that, you know, is is a part of them and a huge part is the fanatic and the fight for him and the the love for him, uh, the promotion of him isn't like overdone. It's just perfect because people want him. Uh, they've been doing, you know, Philly fanatic reading and, and Joe Girardi was the first to read a, uh, a children's book. And the it's all the fanatic on the, you know, the background with him and uh, doing an Instagram live. And then Bryce did it last week. Uh, I learned that Bryce could read. That was awesome. Um, I had no clue, but he and Crew. I mean, I I figure he's been practicing with his uh, with his son Crew. Uh, Tenley's been all locked in because she loves the fanatic, and the fanatic just brings nothing but like seriously brings nothing but smiles. And it's all like if I if I could do one thing at a game, it's watch the Philly fanatic all day. Seriously, it's amazing. All right, enough. I just said I liked it. I didn't want to do a half hour on the Phillies and the Philly fanatics. All right, so right? Anyway, I'm still uh, the Nats. I'm still the Nats broadcaster. When you when we look at the uh, you know the Nationals with Juan Soto, Victor Robles. I mean, you could go on and on about you know number of guys Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, and in, in the Braves. You see just talent everywhere. Uh, the youth. You know, there's a couple guys with the Phillies that we're going to hopefully see Alec Bohm and uh, Spencer Howard this year out of Cal Poly. Um, there's a kid though that I'm intrigued by, and I've seen some video. I I, I just I talked to Riz about this guy, and it's Luis Garcia, and the kid's a stud. Is he the next big thing for for the Nats? I don't know. <laughs> I've I seen him play. See, I, I have to. I'm not gonna sit here and BS you. And go, yeah, yeah. Ah, this guy's great. I've never seen him play. I don't know. I saw him play one spring training game. I have no idea. Okay, really in that spring training um, game, did you notice greatness? Oh, he's going to be the next. Uh, the, the <laughs> well, no, the reason. No more Garcia Parra at short. Okay, so the reason why I bring it up, um, we are hoping that we continue in our jobs for a long time, both of us, and you and I appreciate mm-hmm. the game, and the and I bring this up because where we are in the NL East, and we talk about the division in its entirety and and all that, but the youth, the amount of young talent that's either here. Or coming it is I, I just want to you know continue to, to kick ass in, in in what you do and 
and, and keep having the job because I want to experience this. I want to see this. Do you have that feeling? Yeah, well, just don't swear on the air. <laughs> don't do anything stupid off the air. And you'll have that job for a while because you get better at it every single game you go on. So you'll, you'll see it. Uh, you're great <laughs> at what you do. Uh, I never thought I'd be going on 10 years here in D.C., but, uh, you know, knock on wood. It's been a great run, and hopefully it's another 10 years at least uh, until I can't remember names. But it is cool, man. It's, it's going to be cool to see Juan Soto and Victor Robles and Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, Bryce Harper's still young. I mean, right? just keep going. Pete, 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 Pete Alonzo might oh. be the best of all of them when it's done. Who knows? I love, I love that guy's attitude. I love the way he approaches the game. Same with Juan Soto. If you got to be around Juan on a daily basis, Franny, this guy just gets it, man. He works hard. He's super. He's super chill. He's super intelligent. He he. You don't have to move him around the outfield. He pays attention to swings and hitters. It's just such advanced stuff the way he plays the game as a 21 year old. It's amazing. I think the fans see him with the shuffle and all the mannerisms and the flair that he has in the, in, during the game. That's just his swagger and his confidence coming out in the heat of battle. But when you're around this guy off the field, uh, a tremendous family, uh, tremendous person. Uh, one of my favorite guys I've been around a long time, and, and I think the sky's the limit for him. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., if he stays focused, to me, has talent off the charts. Pete Alonzo is great for baseball. I don't care what anybody says, even if you hate the Mets. I think Pete Alonzo is an amazing person, number one. Uh, everything he says, what he goes about his business off the field, he's perfect for baseball. Um, and Victor Robles, and I'm trying to think of other young players um, in the division that I'm probably leaving out. I'm pretty Marlins challenged right now. They're all young. So yeah, um, no, I mean, they, sure they we, have we haven't really seen them waiting. much, but I mean, you're going to see Sixto Sanchez at some point. He was in the JT trade and he's, you know, incredible, but the guys that are here, I mean, I, I just baffled. I'm baffled by the, the insane amount. It's like, I, it's not just the, the baseball talent. It's the baseball IQ. And you bring up Pete Alonzo, like just it, you don't have to have speed. You don't have to have that stuff to be have a smart, you know, to be a high baseball IQ. And Pete Alonzo, he brings every intangible. And you're like, damn, I don't like the Mets. I hate the Mets. I hate the Mets. I like Pete Alonzo. I hate the Mets. I don't like the. You know what I mean? It's he's he's easy to root for. You know what's weird is, is you know I've been labeled a homer and, and I don't find that is a bad thing because I, I I was taught early on by people that have been doing this a long time know who your audience is <laughs> and when ninety five percent of people watching the mass and broadcast are Nats fans you cater to your audience yeah. and, you know you're invested you know these guys I know their parents I know their their wives their kids their aunts their uncles after all this time and when you live with guys for six or seven months you know, you have a tendency to kind of root for him on the air. And there's this notion that because I'm a homer, I don't like the Phillies and I don't like the Mets and I don't like the Marlins and I don't like the Braves. But when I'm up there, dude, I'm a baseball fan every night. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping the Nats win. Um, I'm appreciating good baseball. And I love going to Philadelphia. I love the ballpark and everybody that works there. You develop relationships on the road. They treat us like gold every time I'm there. I love the city. I love New York. You know, uh, you know, my friend, one of my best friends in baseball is Pete McCannon. When he was <laughs> the manager of the Phillies, I was like rooting for him. And we'd talk like once or twice a week about how he was doing, how he was holding up. When he first got the job, that's a true story. Um, I saw his press conference and I called him and I said, Pete, 
You were so stiff today. I said, you're one of the funniest men I've ever met in That's baseball. A fact. You're hilarious. You're, you, you, I mean, you used to crack me up every day. He was my manager in AAA. He was my bench coach and third base coach in Montreal. And we've stayed in touch over the years. And he's one of my favorite people, period, on the planet. Best so hair. I said, you, you know what? You, I said, you know, you don't have the greatest team in the world. I mean, it's a fact right now. But you know what buys you extra time? in a market like Philadelphia where it's, it's tough and the fans want to win is let them see your personality. Let your personality come out. You're hilarious. And just be yourself. And fans will, fans will be like, we love Pete. And then I saw him and he came up to me one day and he said, that that's some of the best advice I've ever gotten because then I think people got to see a sense of humor. So back to my initial point, I'm rambling right now is, you know, I have friends that are on coaching staffs everywhere. I have friends in front offices with all these teams. So even though I sound like a homer on TV, I love baseball and I love being at the ballpark. I don't hate the Phillies. I don't hate the Mets. You know, I don't hate uh, the Braves. Uh, tremendous respect for that organization. I shared spring training with them for 10 mm. years as a Montreal Expo. So um, I had, no but idea you know, about that. obviously, yeah. I, I, so I, yeah, I grew up, I came up with Chipper. Chipper is one of my better yeah. friends in baseball. And I faced Glavin Maddox and Smoltz all those years. And, we used to go out with Dave Justice and Fred McGriff, and we'd all go to Hooters after games in West Palm and Spring Training and close the place every night. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't – well, obviously, you know, I, I, I love the Nats and I love being in D.C., and that's what I'm all about. I still appreciate baseball, appreciate cities, ballparks, and, and organizations. Well, okay. And, and when you appreciate, you know, places you've been, you know, games and, and the, the – franchise you've been a part of uh an area you grew up in in sacramento a place that you went to in sac city has one of the greatest phillies of all time uh, as one of its alumni and that's that's larry Bella. yes sir uh mm -hmm. let me ask you this as Bo became a a, a star here in the city um uh, a person that you know just embodied everything the the feistiness the the fiery attitude, but him, you know, growing up in Sacramento and all that, was he someone that, you know, for, I, and I have no idea on this. So I'm asking you, is, is he someone that you looked up to because of, you know, coming from the area and, and going to the same school before you went to Miami? Yeah. I mean, Sacramento has a nice little baseball fraternity yeah, um, and there's been a lot of good big league ball players <laughs> from Larry Boa, the Forrest brothers, Steve Sachs, uh, Greg Vaughn, Fernando Vina, I'm probably leaving out a bunch. Uh, Ricky Jordan, who was a, a tremendous Philly first baseman. Yeah. Um, and there's been a pipeline with the Phillies from Sacramento. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I watched Larry play. I watched him play how feisty he was. And I was a little guy, and I was a shortstop, too. And, and he, I wasn't a very good hitter, but I tried to be a pain in the ass. And I think Bo was a pain in the ass in a good way <laughs> um, as a player. Um, and, and he played the game the way it's supposed to be played. I think – I think Bo's biggest fault is, is he expects everybody to play like he did, and that's just not the way it is now. And it, the way he played is the right way, but it's just not the way that guys go about it now. And I think that frustrated him a lot when he was coaching or, or when he was a manager. Uh, but I just love his passion for the game and the way he went about it. I love to watch him get in fights with umpires. I love the fact that he wore his emotions on his sleeve. He's old school in every sense, but I think old school in a great way. I'm a huge fan. I love talking to the guy. Um, uh, and, and the fact that he's from Sacramento and, like I said, a small baseball for sure, he makes me like him even more. Yeah, and uh, you talk about 
understanding and trying actually one of those guys that that played you know in, in an era where you hear a lot of those guys not liking today's game he is one of those guys right now for me that is trying to understand it he still has that fight for the old way the the, the vet way the uh grind it out but his appreciation for like what we were talking about the talent that the young talent that's in this league it's it it comes out of him and i love it i just i i love the passion well, you know, the one positive thing or one of the positive things, I shouldn't say the one positive thing, one of the positive things with this whole pandemic and being at home is that MLB Network is showing all these old games and you get to watch other generations play baseball. I watched the Phillies game from back in the day with, with uh, Bo playing shortstop and, yeah. and Greg Lazinski and, you know, you saw them as kids and you watched these games. At least I did. I'm 53 years old, but uh, now, God, but, but to see it. And I know. And one of the one of the coolest things about watching these rebroadcasts is hearing the broadcasters and listening to Hall of Fame broadcasters. And then some you hear and you're like, okay, <laughs> all right. And then others you hear and like that guy is so awesome. And and I'm picking up little things from broadcasters from before. And I'll just grab a notepad and take a note real quick and write it down on my phone or write it down on a piece of paper of something I liked that they did. So. Um, there's so much value in, in these games that have been archived by MLB Network uh, to watch right now. There's so much to learn from them. And I hope that like uh, current players are watching these broadcasts. And, and I hope current players are watching uh, The Last Dance. There's just oh. so much to be learned from the generations before us and how they went about it. And I don't want to sound too old, but I think the game's in better shape than it's ever been in. The talent's off the charts like we talked about but there's just something to be said for the, 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 these guys back in the day that just had that. They didn't care if people liked them. They weren't trying to make friends. They just mm -hmm. wanted to win. And that's all they cared about. And I, and there's some of that today, but not as much as it, as there was back in the old days. We, I mean, we could go for an hour on just that subject alone, but we're not, uh, because I got to get to my game and I, I want to know if you want to play it. All right. It's called waffle I like or playing not games. Waffle or not? Yeah, so either you waffled this guy as a pitcher or you didn't. And I, the, the waffleage could be just it, – it's Dude. complete ownage. You got you to gotta own a didn't, guy. Didn't. Um, didn't. There was only two kinds of pitchers that gave me trouble, right-handers and left-handers. Yeah, well, that, 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 that just so, narrows it down. So we're going to get after this, okay? Uh, I have a few here for right. you, and I need you to uh, – and if, you know, anything comes to mind, please. All right spit it out all right uh we're gonna start with the uh, seattle mariners gm jerry depoto uh i know i know i hit what would have been a triple for the cycle off of him but we were up 21 to like eight in colorado and i wasn't thinking that i needed a triple for a cycle and i pulled a ball a slider down and in down the right field line at coors field dante bichette was playing me in right center because as a left-hander, I went the other way. I pulled the parachute up around first and cruised into second. It would have been a stand-up triple with a turn at third for the cycle. Mm. I needed a triple for the cycle, but didn't know that I needed a triple for the cycle. I was three for four, and I wanted to be four for five, and that's all I knew. And I stopped at second, and everybody in the Expos dugout was on the top step with their hands up in the air. And I'm like, oh, they're so happy I got my fourth hit today. It was my rookie season, and my thinking was I didn't want to piss off 
the Rockies by stretching a double into a triple in a route. So I stopped at second. Meanwhile, I needed a triple for the cycle, and it was off Jerry DePoto. That's all I remember about him. So Waffle, one for ten with a triple? I don't know. Uh, 0 for 9. 0 for 9. I was waiting for you to finish this off. <laughs> oh, no. Was I really 0 for 9? Yeah, 0 for 9. That's the guy I get the triple off of. All right. Well, You know what the best part about this Forget is? the whole story then. The, the whole story? No. Okay, so, like, Larry Boa. It was You it, go back it was all the these proto. years. I know it was. Like, dude, the amount right. of the amount of guys that you guys remember, right? And you remember these vivid, like, stories and – Hey, look, sometimes you, you you make a mistake on that. Oh, well, Jerry DePoto. Well, EMDU. edit this part out, idiot. Well, all no, right. It's, it's all good. Nasty slider, by the way. Uh, Really? Yeah. I had Dirty no idea slider. about that. Back um, knee. Okay. <laughs> I love this. This is good. Uh, <laughs> Tom Why would you start off with an 0 for 9? I come on your show and you throw me under the bus with an 0 for 9. Start off with somebody I waffle, which I know takes a lot of research because there was like one guy. No, no, maybe, no. But no, no, still. No, no. no there's right. a few. Uh, it, we'll go either. Uh, no, I'll, I'll, choose, I'll choose this one. Pedro Astacio. I don't know, dude. I, I, I don't know. I, 10 for 10 with eight home runs. Uh, six for 22 with a double, two triples. You had an 860 OPS. You waffled him. Just to let you know. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know why? Because when he came inside, out of the windup, he would slide his right foot all the way to the first base side of the rubber, and he would tell you he's coming inside. When he was throwing anything middle or away, he would just twist his foot and keep it on the rubber. Dude, that's awesome. That yeah. that right there. See, now that's it was, what, it that's... was one of the easiest tips I've ever seen. When he <laughs> he do his rocker step with his left foot. And then when he was coming inside to a lefty, he would slide his right foot all the way to the first base side of the rubber. And that's all you did was look at his feet, and you're like, oh, he's coming in. Turn and burn, baby. <laughs> oh, I love it. Because uh, I know this is going to have a good story to it. Kevin Brown? Kevin Brown hit me a bunch. Like, he <laughs> hit me twice in one game. And he became, he became my teammate in Dodgers, with the Dodgers. And when he was at the Marlins, I think my first game I went two for three off him, uh, had a couple infield singles or whatever, choppers, because he had the nastiest sinker on the planet. Oh. I didn't even know who I was facing that night. That's the beauty about my rookie year is I had a great season, and people would say, you know who's pitching tonight? I'm like, I don't care. I'm just going to hit. And then as I went on as a major leaguer, I started to know who they were, and then <laughs> I started thinking too much. But I leaned into one one night off Kevin Brown, which was my thing. I got hit by a, a bunch of pitches throughout my career. And then the next time up, he drilled me right in the elbow with the first pitch. And so we were Dodger teammates. I'm too, I was like, dude, the first day I met him, like, it's all you did was hit me. And he's like, well, you leaned into him. I said, well, if he wants to get on base that bad, okay. <laughs> so I drilled oh. you again. And oh. so I have a bat signed by him that says, to my favorite target. And he drew like a target on the bat. Uh, oh. And he became my friend that year in Los Angeles, actually, after I think yeah, he drove choice. me three or four times. Good I can't remember. Choice. Yeah. Uh, the next two yeah. times that you, you faced him in that, in that game that he hit you twice, uh, you bunted. And so I, I figure um, it, it was a runner on first, nobody out. Runner on first and second, nobody out. The second time, uh, obvious times to bunt, but there might have been a little soreness going on, huh? No, Felipe just gave me the bunt time more than any manager <laughs> ever. I think one year I was second in the National League in sacrifices behind Tom Glavin. 
Really? Um, so yeah, I was, I you're was five, back, back when people bunted, I bunted a lot. Just to let you know, you're five for 16 off of him. So, uh, yeah, there's waffleage going on. Uh, Al Leiter. Oh my God. He owned me more than anybody ever has. I went over four with four strikeouts off him one night and three of the strikeouts were bases loaded one out. Wow. How'd you know that? Yeah, it was my, it was my worst game as a major leaguer. Uh, I, I, I never, I wasn't a strikeout guy. I always put the ball yeah. in play. I was with the Dodgers. He was with the Mets. Oh, for four, four strikeouts, three with bases loaded, less than two outs. Wow. All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll stick with that. Yep. He owned you. Um, uh, you did have uh, six Did I ever get a hit off, off him? him? I didn't, I, I didn't get a hit off him. Did no, I? No, you went one for seven. Oh yeah. Yeah. You Good got that book. one. How about Kenny Rogers? Kenny Rogers, I waffled. I hit one over the bleachers in left center field at Candlestick Park off him right hand. Over the bleachers in left center. You know where the bleachers were behind the fence? It was one of my farthest home runs ever. Well, six for 13, four doubles, a homer, three walks. That's a 1563 OPS. You're bad. Yeah, after screwing screwing up the DePoto thing, I'm coming on strong. Hey, yeah. my pest control guy's here. I might have to take a break. Well, I got, I got, I got one more before I let you go. Frank okay. Castillo. Oh, uh, eight for ten, maybe. Uh, nine for eleven. Don't short, don't short your tell right. yourself. Uh, yeah. One double, I, four I RBIs. Uh, that's an eight eighteen <laughs> average with a seventeen twenty seven OPS. You're bad. That's waffle. Yeah, yeah. That's. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Well, FP, I All appreciate right. you coming on uh, Pintar for breakfast. It has been a tremendous time. I cannot wait for you to get done with your pest control guy, and I'll talk to you again. All right, Franny. Thanks for having me on, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. You're the best. See you, dude. Later. And there he is, FP Santangelo of the Washington Nationals. I know it, it's it's not a Philly, but he's got great stories. Uh, someone I look up to in, in this world uh, of broadcasting. And, you know, look, I just like talking ball with people that love baseball, and he loves baseball more than anyone that I know. Uh, he's He's got the same attitude and, and, and same look on, on the game of baseball like Larry Boa. And I loved bringing it up because being from Sacramento for, for him, knowing Larry, uh, it, it's it's fun to talk to. So, With that being said, I hope everyone is doing great and getting better as we start to get closer and closer to the possibility of baseball being played. And this pine tar for breakfast was brought to you by Hatfield Quality Meats, makers of delicious Hatfield Phillies Franks. And until next time, keep flattening that curve. Stay positive. Baseball's coming up, I feel like. Let's do it. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 